Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Uh, no, KT's not here today. I'm not going to get it. There, there's, we've had, we have good attendance. Uh, I've had talks with, with some of the guys that, that haven't been here, uh, but most everybody's been here, whether they were here the first week, the second week. Um, we've had good attendance. Brian, given, given some of his issues off the field as a rookie, is that a concern to you? Yeah, I, like I said, this is a voluntary camp. So the guys that are here, we're going to work with. The guys that aren't, they're, they're going to miss out on some things, but it's, it's voluntary for a reason. That's the, that's the nature of the rules. Uh, I've talked. I've had good talks with KT. I've had good talks with some of the other guys. Uh, I'm encouraged where we are in terms of our participation, what we've been doing, and uh, we're just going to keep moving in the right direction. Can he participate like virtually, or does he just not have the playbook until he gets here? Yeah. Um, no, we, we, we didn't do anything virtual. So when he gets here, he'll get the playbook, and we'll, we'll catch him up to speed. All right, that's more like it, Dan. Much better, right? No pleasantries this time in Brian Dayball's session with the media from offseason workouts. Giants reporters got right to the point. Where the hell is Kadarius Tony? right? Like, where is he? Uh, and you can hear, not much, not much, but a little bit of tension to Dayball's voice there. A little bit more uncomfortable than the last press conference that we covered on here. Kind of feels like welcome to East Rutherford a little bit for Coach Dayball, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. You're thrown in the fire now. And uh, all the pleasantries with the reporters, they've come and gone. And now it's just going to be rapid fire uh, pretty pretty much constantly. And uh, Saquon actually kind of alluded to that yesterday, saying that he welcomed uh, Dayball and Shane to, to the real New York. And, and that's how things operate here. But, uh, yeah, it was it was very different tone. Both guys seemed much more comfortable in meeting with the members of the media yesterday, as you noted, far less pleasantries and a lot more difficult questions, too. They both got peppered about Tony. And, you know, that's that's very obviously the big topic in East Rutherford right now outside of the draft. Yeah. I mean, good for Giants media. I mean, that is the unfortunately that is clearly, uh, you know, the top story right now. A week before the draft, it's it's where the hell is Kadarius Tony? What's Tony's deal? Uh, he has not been seen at all at the Giants offseason program, Dan. And, and yes, as Dayball keeps reminding us, it's voluntary, right? Uh, but for second year, former first round picks who have not accomplished anything yet as a pro, I, I think it's man- it's mandatory in my book, right? Like these these sessions, shouldn't this be about taking pride in your role as a leader on the team? Like, I feel like that's what you that that's your trajectory as a former first round pick of the team. You're going to be a captain someday. Like you're supposed to be one of the leaders. You're growing into a leader on the team. You you should have some pride in your role. Like this is your job. Like like it's about setting the right example. It's 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 about blending in, doing the right thing, not making it all about you. Like we're starting our podcast talking about Kadarius Tony not being there. There's you search Giants right now on Google. That's everywhere. You know Google News. It's everywhere. Where's Kadarius Tony? What's his deal? What's going on? He, this guy's bugging me, Dan. How are you feeling about this, this whole situation? <laughs> It's it's an annoying situation. I don't think I don't think there's any way around that. I, I know that some don't want to hear that reality, and I know the word voluntary was thrown around a lot yesterday, um, a lot on Wednesday, I should say. Listen, we all know what the word voluntary means. None of us none of us are unfamiliar with what the voluntary nature of anything in life is. But it, it's a new season. You're coming in after a broken season, which you had all sorts of different issues on and off the field. Um, lots of you know, Twitter arguments at times with fans, with media. It, it was just a bad look all around. 
Now you have a new coaching staff, a new uh, offensive system. You don't you don't have the playbook in your hand yet. You can't get it until you actually show up. Jarring, you're yeah. not working out with any of your teammates in the offseason. And if you're to listen to Kenny Galladay, you're not even communicating with any of your teammates at this point, and you haven't for quite some time. So, yeah, okay, the workouts are voluntary, but that really doesn't wash away the issues that are mounting when it comes to Kadarius Tony. And listen, I defended him quite a bit a year ago. I, I said, you know, collectively, all the issues didn't particularly look wonderful, but individually, they were all relatively insignificant. The problem with that is, as it continues to snowball, it's not just one problem anymore. It's multiple problems all rolling up into one and then occurring repeatedly. Again, I know it's voluntary. I can't knock him for not being there. He's not breaking any kind of rules, but it certainly does not look good. But what's worse is that you're not communicating with your teammates. Yeah, and, and I, you know, the, the, I told the story about him. Boston media was all over Tom Brady at the end of his Patriots tenure, Dan, for skipping OTAs because he was having kind of a contract thing with Bill Belichick. Belichick wasn't uh, committing to Brady for uh, you know for the long term, so Brady's like, oh, I'm going to stay home with my kids. I'll show up when it's mandatory. And Boston media crushed Brady for that. So we should be crushing Tony, who hasn't accomplished anything yet. Again, like 39 catches, 420 yards, zero touchdowns last year. Like, he could use all the reps he could get, you know, all the reps possible with Daniel Jones. And he should be having the playbook in his hands, as you said. You mentioned Kenny Galladay. Uh, Galladay, quote, I feel like the whole team is just trying to start off on a good note. Everyone should definitely be here. So that's a little – that's – that's something from Kenny Galladay, right? I think that's something. He's trying to be a leader. He's a new giant. I mean, I think there's, this clearly kind of points to a leadership problem that the Giants definitely need to fix. Like, who in the locker room is holding guys accountable and trying to get this thing on track? Like, we're trying to be, uh, you know, a re- representative football team here, the New York Giants. Like, we're trying to get this thing going. We got a new regime. Like, let's go. As Dayball said, let's get off on the right foot. Uh Who's holding guys accountable? Who's saying like, yeah, yeah, it's technically voluntary, but no, we need to be here. We need to get off on the right, you know, the right foot. Um, I don't know. I, I found it interesting, Dan. You mentioned it. How you know Dayball said, you know, he at least alluded to having some contact with Tony, but he did say when when the reporters asked him, well, you know, are you doing anything virtual with him to help him, you know, stay up to speed with the playbook? And and Dayball basically said, look, like I'm not logging on to Zoom anytime soon to, to work with KT. He's not here. And I'm going to worry about the guys that are here. So he's got to be falling behind, right? Like he's behind his teammates, no, and that's concerning, right? There's there's no way he couldn't be behind. It's like it's like you skip the entire school year, and then you want to show up for the test, thinking, "Ah, don't worry, I got it, no big deal." Only the problem is, is that you failed last year, so you're already a year behind as it is. Now you got to learn an entire new system, which is essentially like learning an entire new language, and you don't even have the X's and O's or the alphabet of that language in your hands yet. So there's literally nothing that Tony can do right now that's going to help him prepare for the 2022 season other than working out. And, you know, if you come in in great shape, fantastic. But if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to fit in that offense and function within it, and then on top of that, you have no rapport with your quarterback whatsoever, that's just not a good situation to be in. There's no... There's, there's no way that even his most staunch defenders can look at that and say, eh, he'll be fine, don't worry about it, ain't no big deal. It is a big deal, and it's going to be a big deal because he is supposed to be a key member of this offense, an offense that's going into a season where many, many jobs are on the line, including his quarterbacks, 
And he's not making any effort whatsoever to improve his game, to improve that chemistry, to familiarize himself with the role that he's going to play, which was going to be and potentially still will be very, very significant. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you said, the offense was an abject failure last year. And it wasn't just Tony, it was the whole offense. But doesn't doesn't he want to be part of the solution? <laughs> Shouldn't he want to be part of the solution? Uh, I mean... The, the playbook thing is what gets me the yeah, most. Just show yeah. up one day. Yeah. Just stroll in. I mean, this, this, is, this is the easiest. This is the right. easiest two weeks ever, Dan. This is not hard. This is like not hard work. You know, you, you show up, you be a good teammate, you learn, you learn stuff, you get in the classroom. This is... This is not like they're out there, like, you know, really grinding. I mean, this is, this is, it's hard to miss this. This is easy. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't understand, you know. And listen, I don't want to come down too hard on Tony because it's entirely possible that he does have something personal going on uh, away from the game. You know, he, he dealt with the death of relatives last year and he kind of got, you know, he got a little bit of heat before everybody realized what was going on. It could be the scenario again. But, but but again, the problem is the repetitive nature of these scenarios, you know, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have missed time because of a death in his family. Don't come hard at me with the pitchforks. It's not what I mean by that. What I'm saying is, is that you can only miss so much time before it becomes extremely detrimental to your own development. It's not just bad for the team. It's bad for the person. It's bad for the player. And it's bad for the brand of that player. And listen, young Joka cares about his brand. So, you know, continually damaging it like this. And, and then again, and I go back to what Galladay said, not communicating with your teammates at all. You're not only not developing a chemistry on the field, you're not de- developing one off the field. And if people out there don't think that that impacts the play on the field, you're dead wrong because it 1 million percent does. Yeah, I mean, if there if there's a death in the family or a mental health thing going on, then I will I will walk these comments back for sure. Um, I just think the comments from Dave, all the comments from Galladay don't really hint to anything yeah. like that. Um, that's just my I, I just want to know. And I know Dayball didn't really give us much, but he said he's at least had some communication with KT. We don't know how much. What was that conversation like? You know, like, hey, hey, Kadarius, I'd really like you at practice. Uh, you know, coach, I'm, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, I can't show up to work. I'm a little busy. It's like, how does that conversation go? You know, it's, it's well, awkward. Dayball did did allude to that in a previous press conference and was talking about how they were talking about uh, Tony's music. Yeah, there you go. So uh, how that translates to the field, I, I don't know. But at least it was, you know, kind of getting on a level with him communicating over something that he very much clearly loves. I wish he loved football as much as he loves his music. Um, and, I, and I know, you know, the pitchforks are going to come right out for that comment, too, because, you know, I'm not saying he shouldn't have other interests. I'm not saying he shouldn't be allowed to produce music, write music, record music. I hope for his sake he becomes an incredibly successful rapper. I also hope for his sake that he becomes an incredibly successful football player. But the difference is he's in that music book every single day and has not yet even put a finger on the playbook. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's grinding on his music career uh, and doing that thing instead of football, then that's that's scary. And I, I think you know, and again, that's conjecture. We don't know that. But I bring up Evan Ingram, right? Like Giants fans were all over Ingr- Evan Ingram. So were we. Like media was all over Evan Ingram. Oh yeah, no I doubt. Mean, I, that guy did some frustrating things on the field, but he always showed up. He always did the right things. He always said the he, right things, right? The hardest worker on the entire team. Absolutely. He always did the right thing, said the right thing. We were just all over him. Fans were all over him, booing him, getting on him. Like, shouldn't Kadarius Tony be hearing it from all angles? Fans, players, coaches, media? Because we need to see more from him. We need to see the buy-in. We need to see him produce. Like, why? Like, 
I understand you said like this is going to rub folks the wrong way this conversation but like why why are people defending him so much he hasn't earned anything yet he hasn't proven anything yet as a player he hasn't shown the buy-in yet he he hasn't shown the buy-in that Evan Ingram showed it's very it's very strange the dynamic of fans sometimes and how they get attached to certain players and and I do think that has a lot to do with the media and how the media will cover a specific player because even last year, in some of the ways that Tony was covered, I said it on this show, I'm sure you recall, that even I at times was like, yeah, you know, man, that maybe that's a little too much. You know, they're going in a little too hard on this guy. And then, and when we learned that there was a death in his family, that's a perfect example of it. Nobody bothered to step back and say, you know, hey, maybe this guy is dealing with something personal. And again, it may be the case now. It may be the same case now. But um, there were many other instances in which that was not the case. And it's not just that Tony struggled on the field. It's not just that he had cleat issues and issues with the media and fights with fans and people in his circle leaking stuff to different newspapers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The issue is that he's not putting in any effort. None. He's not putting in a single second of effort towards bettering himself as a player on the field with the team or bettering the team. And why... So many people want to gloss over that while at the same time, like you said, criticizing players like Engram, who work exceptionally hard, and Kenny Galladay, who showed up even though he's already got his bag. And and what motivation does he have to show up to the voluntary workouts? Well, he, he said, it's because I need to get better. This team needs to get better. We have to start winning. And the only way to do that is to work with your teammates, communicate with your teammates, look at the playbook, learn the playbook, go to meetings, and Tony's doing none of that and getting a complete free pass for it, and I, I genuinely don't understand it. Yeah, just like again, what is what's his deal? I mean, he, you're not Debo Samuel, right? Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be like missing team activities because you're you're looking for a contract or something. You're just not that. You're not that guy yet. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say about this, Dan, his last tweet, April 9th, quote: "People lose my respect every day." That was his quote. Uh, his tweet. Um, I'm just wondering when's when's he going to start earning ours as you know fans of the Giants? Like when's he going to start earning our respect and showing us something? Uh, because you don't just get respect because you have a ton of talent. You know, yeah. I, I think that thing's earned. So Kadarius Tony just, just bugging right? the crap out of me uh, for the second yeah. straight year. <laughs> and, and you know what's 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 kind of stinks actually about all this is, is actually Tony is a very likable guy. Like I don't know if you if you had a chance to watch through his press conferences last year. He, he is he's very he's blunt in his own way and, and he certainly sees the world through a different lens there's no doubt about that but he, he's just a likable guy he's a guy you want to cheer from and he has explosive potential there's no doubt about it like he is a human joystick that could be the key to turn this entire offense around to save jobs to make people money or not just himself but those around him and it's just the lack of effort is it's just it's becoming frustrating and it's becoming compounded because of all the other issues, the cleat issues, the music issues, the issues with uh, the media, the leaks from his inner circle. Like his, you know, his one trainer went after talking giants this offseason, our friends Justin and Bobby, and there were no larger supporters of Kadarius Tony than those two. And yet all they had to do was raised an eyebrow over the fact that he's not showing up in the offseason, and they were immediately attacked as pathetic media members who don't know what they're talking about. And it's just, you know, it's it's becoming very, very tiresome, and we're only just over a year into this tenure. Yeah, he's a young player. Doesn't seem like he or his like his crew get it right now. The people he's close to get it. Um, 
you know, in terms of his NFL career, but we'll find out. There's still time. Time will tell. But as of right now, Dan, the week before the 2022 draft, doesn't feel like Kadarius Tony gets it. Um, and what the, what it's like to be a pro uh, football no, player? Yeah, no, not at all. And it's very unfortunate because the Giants could really use his skill. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be the centerpiece of the offense. Yeah, he's just, and he's not. He's not at work. Uh, yeah. So that's annoying. Um, but we can move on here. Uh, what else stuck out from maybe Dayball's presser or what some of the other players said? I know Xavier McKinney had some had some comments that that uh, stuck with you. Yeah, well, I mean, and actually, he wasn't the only one. I, I think there were a couple players, but uh, McKinney was the most forward, saying that you know it's far less uptight in East Rutherford under Brian Dayball and his staff than was under Joe Judge and his staff. And you know, as time goes on, we're starting to hear and see more and more of those stories. Uh, about how, how, I don't know if I want to say disciplinarian or tyrannical, but a very overbearing um, Wolves to Joe Judge uh, tenure in East Rutherford, apparently, you know, and that obviously began with, you know, uh, fights with his assistants, Mark Colombo, who could ever forget that blow up and, and you know, um, his issues with Gooch. And then, and, and, you know, obviously he had some issues with, with some players and, you know, and then you heard after he was fired in January that his assistant coaches were quote unquote walking on eggshells. And now you see, you know, a lot of these players saying the communication is improved. It feels more genuine. Things are, you know, less uptight. Uh, Dayball is much more personable than Judge was. And I find that all interesting because all of those things are, are what Judge tried to present himself as in the media. He was a compassionate, caring, listening man who was able to deal with these internal strife and all this other stuff. And it sounds like he was blowing his own head up perhaps a little bit more than it was reality. Well, the latest, uh, going back to 2019 when he was with the Patriots, uh, I guess he was trying to coach the wide receivers and, and a certain Patriot. And we can, we, we could all, we could guess which one it is probably a prominent Patriots receiver back then. Uh, you can read between the lines there, uh, said that he basically didn't know what he was talking about and that all the wide receivers knew more than him. So, uh, you know, it, it just keeps getting worse for Joe Judge. And, and of course, he's now back with the Patriots. You know, for me, yeah, for me out here in the New England night, that's that's great. That's great to have Joe Judge back. I'm excited about that, Dan, for my football team. It, it doesn't. Yeah, good luck. Have fun with that. Yeah. But it, it certainly doesn't look or it doesn't look or sound good. And uh, it, it really doesn't reflect well on Mara and Tish either. Because they were so beyond sold after one meeting with Joe Judge. And listen, I think we're all relatively guilty of that in some form or fashion. I'm not absolving myself of that because I totally believed in the in the snake oil salesman at first. And listen, I'm not trying to insult Judge as a person. I think he's a good guy. I just think that maybe his approach needs to be loosened up a little bit. And, you know, I know he's learned from Saban and Belichick and these historic, great, legendary coaches. but and maybe he thinks he knows more than he actually does. Well, you said it. Maybe he should be uh, selling insurance <laughs> rather rather than uh, you know being in charge of developing Mac Jones. So you think it's bad Giants fans? Well, try being a Patriots fan and having Joe Judge in charge of developing Mac Jones in his second year. That's a little scary. That's a little scary to think of. Uh, okay. Well, we watched it with Daniel Jones. Remember, he <laughs> oh, went yeah. from almost breaking the rookie touchdown passing yeah. uh, record under Pat Shermer to just being a shell of himself in <laughs> two years under Judge. So, yeah, poor DJ. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, have fun, Mac Jones. Enjoy that, buddy. No, no, that's not going to be fun at all. That's not going to be fun <laughs> at all. It's going to be excruciating, actually. Uh, okay, so one thing that did stick out to me, uh, Dan, and you know, I think this is pertinent because I, I think we both think you know the Giants selecting fifth and seventh here in the draft that they're going to take a tackle. 
Uh, it's a matter of uh, of which one, not if. It's which which tackle they're going to take in one of those spots. And uh, there's some chatter right now. You know, reporters actually asking Dave all, "Hey, is uh, is Andrew Thomas going to get some reps at right tackle? You could draft a left tackle and just plug him in." And Dave all basically responded. Look, guys, it's uh, you know uh, we're trying to figure out the stretching lines right now, so I'm don't, I'm not going to answer any questions about Andrew Thomas playing right tackle. But uh, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting idea, and you know for me, so like, how would you feel about you know the Giants drafting Evan Neal or Charles Cross, right? One of these guys that could slot in at left tackle and moving Andrew Thomas to the right side. Like, how do you how does that idea sit with you, Dan? Well. It's it's not unusual to those of us at Giants Wire. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, I, we've discussed it over the past two years. And, and, you know, obviously when we were talking about it, it was with the idea that Matt Parrott was going to turn into a, you know, an anchor at tackle and, and potentially be better suited at left tackle than he was at right tackle. Um, but we've discussed the idea of potentially moving Andrew Thomas over to right tackle in the past. And I, I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss it now. And I don't think that Dayball was either, you know. He kind of redirected the question, but if it wasn't an option or wasn't a consideration, you would think that he would have shut it down instantaneously, but he didn't. And uh, leaving the door open to that makes you wonder. First of all, it makes you think, not that we don't already know that the the team is going to draft a tackle in one of their first two picks. It's happening. Um, But, you know, it it kind of makes you wonder who they're eyeing because I don't think with a Kwanu or Cross that it would really be that big of a conversation about moving – Thomas to to, uh, to right tackle. But I think with Evan Neal, that becomes more of a realistic possibility, even though Neal has been working at right tackle this offseason. Um, I, I guess it ultimately depends on who they end up with. I don't view it as too much of a big deal, honestly. I, I know that Thomas was getting settled in at left tackle, and he played particularly well, if not great at times last season. And you don't really want to mess with that kind of stuff. But the Giants also are in a situation where they have to do whatever they can to fix this offensive line. And if their strongest is at when you know is when Andrew Thomas is at right tackle, then so be it. Yeah, I hear that, and, I, and I'm not smart enough to know if the guy they draft is you know better suited for the left side, and, and now we have to work Andrew Thomas on the other side, or maybe he's better. Whatever, I, I rely on you, Dan, for that analysis, right? <laughs> just as a fan who's not as smart looking at this, like I just look at it like black and white. Like Thomas had a good year at left yeah, tackle; he did, he's, yeah. he's developing, right? He's moving in the right direction. Like like you said, why disrupt that and make them figure out the other side this offseason and then start developing a rookie who's making the jump from college to pro because that's not always a seamless transition. That's for some guys true. it is, right? For, like, for some guys it yeah. is, but not for all. It not, wasn't for Thomas. For <laughs> it wasn't for Thomas. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, it's just like, I don't know, let's, can we just keep Thomas at left tackle? Unless his play prompts a change, you know, and – Drafts, draft one of these stud rookies and put them on the right side and then evaluate it from there. Like That makes the most sense to me, but uh, I would understand if like after the draft your analysis says, oh man, this this kid they drafted is, is much better suited on the left. I would yeah. get that, but my, personally I'm like, I kind of feel more comfortable just leaving Thomas on the left side where he's his trajectory looks good and he's developing and he's playing well. Like, let's just why mess with that, you know? Right. I understand that. I do get that because anytime you change anything like that you know, for these professional athletes, for the vast majority of them, it's not really that big of a deal. But for some of them, it will derail them. And you don't want to see that with Thomas because, great, if you draft someone at left tackle and they're a franchise left tackle and you move him to right tackle and then he bombs out there, you're right back in the same spot you were just in. So I, I, did, I do certainly understand that. But I, I would say strictly from a versatility standpoint, 
I would want to see every tackle on the team be able to play both sides. I would want to see every guard on the team be able to play all three interior spots. And the same thing with the center. So as far as that goes, I, I would just I would hope that Dayball and company, and, and this is what I assume they'll do anyway, is that they're just going to practice all these guys at every position that's available to them that would be a realistic option for them, just because having that added versatility certainly helps. I, I don't think this is a conversation that's really going to turn into anything significant down the line. I mean, if they end up with Evan Neal, obviously, then, you know, maybe that conversation needs to happen. But it really does seem like Neal's not going to be available anyway, and they're going to have to settle on someone like, and I say settle on like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Kwani across. And listen, those guys, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sign me up all day long. I think no it'll doubt. be fun. No doubt. So I don't think it's going to turn into anything that's going to be significant. Uh, but I did find it interesting that Dable left the door open to that. Yeah, and no, I saw your mock draft uh, for Giants Wire, the 3.0. It's so like Charles Cross and Kyle Hamilton. Like, okay, I feel good about that. Like, yeah, you know, I feel and, good about it. <laughs> and you can, you, can put, you can plug a couple other names in there and feel really good about it. The Giants are yeah. in a great spot. Yeah, I think that positional versatility, Dayball keeps bringing that up, right? Ad nauseum. He always brings that up. And so I think yep. we're going to see a lot of that. And it's, it's the it's same. I think it's going to be the same thing across the team. I don't think it's yep. going to be unique to the offensive line. I, I think Wade Martindale in particular is going to want his players to be able to play multiple positions. I think that's going to heavily influence the Giants draft as well. And you might have even seen that in the mock draft towards the back end of that draft in the mid to late rounds. We, we took a lot of chances on some versatile guys that have kind of slipped down, you know, for one reason or another, you know, I, Shane said yesterday that they're going to eliminate people with serious character concerns, which kind of, you know, poo-pooed our draft a little bit because there were a few of them in there um, specifically for that reason, though, because they had slid and they they offer that level of versatility. Either way, I think you're going to see that in excess on both sides of the ball this year. Yeah, it's all about versatility. I can't wait to see the package with Tyrod under center, Daniel Jones at tight end. Get ready for it, Dan. It's all about yeah, You might actually. Yeah, you might. <laughs> let's go. Let's, see go. That, so. let's do it. Um, all right. So let's give you the final word here. Uh, I'll give you the final takeaway. Uh, maybe you want to say something about Joe Shane's presser. I, I saw your article about how you, you basically fell asleep during it, right? It, not quite the Dave Gettleman experience. <laughs> you, know, Joe Shane. you know what's funny is uh, is it's the first time it's the first time the Giants fans ever missed Dave Gettleman dating back to the literal day that <laughs> he, he was, was entertaining, man. Uh, I gotta if give him nothing, that. If, right. If nothing else, the guy was entertaining and, and Shane simply was not. And, and listen, for some, I'm sure that's refreshing for most. It was kind of like, well, that was a boring 45 minutes. Yeah, and for us, we need the content. We miss Right. Gettleman. Right. <laughs> so listen, if, um, if boring is what it takes to win, I think everyone's going to be perfectly fine with that. <laughs> No doubt. So. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think they're going to be lines for the next Joe Sh- uh, Joe uh, Shane press conference, though. No, no, very monotone, very monotone. <laughs> so. he, he did, to his credit, to, to his credit, he he did appear significantly more comfortable than he had in his previous press conference. He did, but it's like, man, yeah, come on, give us something there, Joe. Like, why, <laughs> why you know, why you gotta, you know, how how do you say so much but say so right. little? You know, I mean, that's, that's a skill. Yeah. 2,000 words and there was nothing said. Yeah. Can you imagine and, being the uh, one transcribing that for like giants.com or something? I mean, terrible, my goodness. Terrible, yeah. Yeah. My goodness. So, but I do think, you know, one of the big takeaways, you know, I ranted about this last time we recorded, like, uh, much better. The pressers were much better, much more digestible, especially day balls. You know, no more pleasantries. Let's get right to it. Right. Let's get uncomfortable with each other. You know, let's, let's really get into this thing. Felt more like the, uh, the football season starting. So, uh, I'm in on that. Uh, you ready for the draft, Dan? 
I'm, I'm not ready for getting four hours of sleep over a three-day span, but I, I am ready to see, you know, uh, where all the speculation and rumor leads to. It is always exciting. You know, there's no doubt about it. Like, you, you'll be exhausted as a writer, even, even as a fan at the end of the draft who are staying up all night and then going to work the next morning. But it is exciting because the end of the draft means you have weeks, if not months, of evaluating these new players, seeing how they fit in, watching film, understanding who the next members of this team, the next generation of this team are. And it also at that point means, guess what? Football is right around the corner. And no matter what you expect of your team, and then the Giants case is probably not going to be great in 2022. <laughs> nope. But the bottom line is, is that all slates are clean and there's a level of excitement to that for everyone involved. So we're just, we're just about there. Excited to see who the new players are. Excited to see how they'll fit in, what they've done, what they could do. And then really more than anything else, personally for me, I'm excited for rookie minicamp and then, you know, training camp after that. Yeah, there's going to be be busy at Giants Wire. Busy Thursday, day one of the draft here in a, in a week. That's going to be fun. You guys are going to be very busy and everybody should I mean, be... I, You know what else I'm excited about? I'm excited about no more mock drafts. Yeah, no no doubt. This is about the time where, you know, yeah, it's 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 about that time, Dan, to put the mock drafts away and go mow the grass, right? I'm looking That's at, it, right? Looking outside, the grass is getting long enough to mow, so I'm, I'm getting excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, so everybody keep their eyes on, um, keep your eyes on Giants Wire. We appreciate you all hang, hanging on. Don't forget to subscribe, by the way. We appreciate you. And we'll be back the week after the draft to break it all down. Can't see, wait to see what the Giants do. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.